your, your insecurities betray you. So you see a lot of people say, yo, I'm an alpha male. The moment you say you're an alpha male, I know you're not an alpha male because alpha male would never say that, right? So that whole thing of, yeah, I'm a tough guy, I'm this, I'm that, it's like, right. So really what it, what it comes down to, it comes, there's a bit of fear with that. It's official. For the first time ever, we have Hip Hop Hustle podcast merch. From hoodies to T-shirts to hats and even slides, go to the hiphophustlepodcast.com to get yours. Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with the one and only Genesis Elijah. Um, obviously, you'll hear him say his name on tracks in a uh, very different accent to mine. We are around the globe. That's what I love about this show. I get to connect with artists all over the globe. But one of the legends in the UK, one of the legends in hip hop and can do it all really trap, drill, uh, grime, hip hop. As I said before, you've done some amazing things in terms of perform on some some amazing stages, Wembley, Glastonbury, and your most recent single came out as well with uh, the one and only Rick Ross is on there. You've got Concept, a lone star that's called Audio Hustlers that came out uh, at the back end of 2022. But man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Much love. When you have someone like list your accomplishments, when you have someone start to go through, how does that make you feel? Honestly, man, like I take everything in my stride. So I'm, I'm never, I'm never gassed about what I'm doing. I do try to live in the moment and I do try to appreciate what I've done. Um, but I never, there's, there's nothing that, I, that I've done that I've ever been like, yes, that's, that's amazing. Or, or just kind of listing, listing the stuff. And, and it's funny because like on tracks, I'll mention certain things because I feel like the, the trope of a rapper is, you know, you kind of got to be boasty about what you've done and who you are. But even that now is becoming like over the last couple of years, it's something I, I kind of shy away from or when I do it, it's almost ironic in a, in a way. So I just, yeah, I'm just like just a normal person that raps in it. So all the other stuff is just, it's cool, but this is, this is fourth wall here. This is, I always say to artists that I work with, the stuff isn't for you. It's for everyone else. It's social proof. So yeah, man, let everyone know about what you're doing, but never get gassed, never get high on your own supply. Always understand that your job as an artist is to create and, and keep creating. That's really interesting because I think a lot of artists believe their own hype like they start to get high on their own supply they start to really drink the kool-aid and then all of a sudden they're believing all the hype but they forget that the hype only came because of a certain work ethic or a certain attitude that they had before they were getting hyped yeah man i think that like i understand how that happens or why that happens um and i think sometimes when you're when you're young, yeah, it's the analogy of like you watch a magic show and you think like, oh my God, that's real magic. And then you get into the scene, you become a magician and you're like, oh, oh no, it's not real magic. It's, it's all tricks. But still understanding that there's a theatrical element to it. 
if you then start believing, oh my God, I could actually do real magic, you you look like a bit of an idiot. And I think a lot of artists still, some of them come under that believing, oh, this I'm really doing magic. And it's like, no, you're really not. Like if we if we break down what what we do, especially as as um as creators, we're just mirrors, man. We just we're just showing people what everyone else goes through on a day-to-day basis. Maybe we do have a, a slight talent for it. Um, or maybe it's just some, something that we persisted in, but at the same time, it doesn't make us special or, or or better than anybody else. See, the thing is, though, as a fan, we don't see it that way. We definitely 100%. see it as you're a magician and a magician because when, I mean, even if I talk about myself, when I hear the lyrics and I hear the bars and I hear the cadence and I hear the way a song is put together, and then I I think about what it would be like to replicate it myself, I'm like, well, you virtually are a magician because I can't imagine a world where I do it in seemingly the space that you're able to do it and the ease that you're able to do it. You, like, obviously, I feel like, I feel like that about certain other disciplines. So I might feel like that about a, a, a race car driver or a dancer, or, and you're looking at someone doing something you can never do. Like I spend a lot of time kind of just looking at um, creators because I believe like there's a string theory between everything that we we do. So I feel like art, architecture, music um, is all theatre, all that stuff is all one. And so I look at a lot of other disciplines and I'm just like, yo, that's crazy what you're doing. But I think at the end of the day, it's all just human expression. And that's, that's all we're doing. When you look at why is a footballer good? It's, it's like his expression, how he plays the game. Same with basketball. And again, when you take it to like um, F1 driver or whatever, it's, it, you're, you're definitely going to see that. So there's, obviously I understand the element of like, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. And, I, and that is to be celebrated. But I feel like for, for on the inside, and again, this is this is fourth wall stuff. As an artist, you you really have to be aware of like what it is that gives you your greatness. There are like everyone has certain skills. There's certain MCs that I just think are incredible. They, they, there's certain skills they're born with. So I feel like um, on the grime side of things over here, we got guys like like P Money, and I feel like he's like an incredible mind when it comes to being able just to remember rhymes and write rhymes, write rhymes and recall rhymes at a really high rate. That's something you don't, I, I feel that gives you an edge in what you do. Um, freestylers, like in the US side, we've got King Los. I believe that King Los is like, I don't, I don't, he's like, a, he's a rapping genius. Like he's doing something at a very high level. The same with like Jay-Z, um, again, over here, Rex Free 2, right? People that can rap without having to write anything down, they just sit and remember. So I, I, like, I look at that and I'm like, yo, that's magic to me. But at the same time, when we when we really break it down, the um the mechanism of how you do it is not as important as what you do and what it says to the people that you're you're doing it for. I think the interesting thing is that, as you said, you're seeing behind the screen behind the facade and you see the full process of what it takes to become a successful artist in the sense of you know the time that it takes you know the work that it takes you know the collaborations that it takes you know how many shots even in the booth that it took to get this particular rhyme to work Mm. just I think I think that's the the key that we're missing is 
we see the finished product and we 100%. we don't see the convoluted journey that it gets there over period of time. I mean, the amount of artists that have said to me, it took me two years to finish this song because I had the verse, but I didn't really have much else. I didn't have the right project or I didn't have the right beat that matched the verse. And then it took yeah. all these extra things and we're just going, holy shit, that is brand new. And that just came out and that is fire. And and we saw it after project, after project, after project. And so I think it's probably the same with athletes in the sense of we marvel at this athlete who can kick the goal or shoot the penalty or shoot, you know, that beat, that buzzer beater. And we're trying to imagine what it would be like in a crowd of 50,000 people at that buzzer beater and making that shot. But we didn't live the life of that person to get there. That's it. Lived it. And that's it, man. So like when people say, oh, I'm, I'm really quick at writing verses or it don't take me long to make a song, but it's like, what you're forgetting is I've been doing this for 20 years or maybe longer. So for me to write a song now, it's not a, it's not the same process. I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, what rhymes with that? Like I already know all the words that rhyme with the words I'm trying to rhyme with. And to be honest, the rhyming is almost secondary to what I'm trying to tell you anyway. So we, we've, we've almost gone past that. There's, there's so many different stages as a, as a writer. Um, I was saying to my wife the other day, I was like, when I was younger, it would always, all I would think about is metaphors like punchlines that's all I would so every single thing I would look at I was already thinking of five or six metaphors for whatever I'm looking at so when it came to freestyling it came real easy but that skill for me has died off because I've moved past that it's almost like we've gone I've gone past trying to give you metaphors now I'm trying to really get you to connect with what I'm saying and I'm trying to get you to connect with me as a person and again to me that's a whole different skill um, a whole different skill set so again, yeah, it's it's like, it, it, but it's, it's taken lived experience to get to that point. Do you have people or fans ever message you and be like, because you'll have fans who love your music and you'll have fans who don't love your music and it goes in cycles. But do you have fans that miss the old, older version of you? Do you have fans that are like, oh, I miss all the metaphors and do you ever consider going back and giving them like one for the love or are you now at a point where it's like that was the old me you have that music and now it's time for me to show you who I am and who I'm continuing to become it's a little bit of both man so like obviously I have people say that all the time like oh one the old the old genesis and every now and then I'll <laughs> do a song which is kind of like the old style just because I can because it, it's so nothing to me now so I did a track a little while ago uh, called Man Made Monster which is just flows and patterns and stuff and it's just like this is the stuff that I was doing when I was 19 like it's again it, it's evolved to something slightly different now and it, it's almost again it's almost automatic it's muscle memory at this point but um, to, to me I'm, I'm trying to I, it's really weird though because I have certain fans again who are like they want the old stuff, but the majority of my supporters have, have kind of taken that journey really from like my first, the first music I really put out and they followed me all the way through to what I'm doing now and understand even with the genre changes, um, with all the switches, they understand that the, it's not, it's, this is way more than like about songs and music. And I've said this all the time. People go, oh, I want the old style. Well, you have two choices. Either you can listen to my old music or you can listen to the amount of artists who still make that style of music. There's loads of them out there doing it, doing it wicked. Go check those out. But if you're a supporter of me, 
what you should really be looking for. And I shouldn't be telling you what you should be looking for, but I'm telling you what I'm trying to give you. I'm showing you the evolution of a human. So I'm showing you the person who started rapping at the, the first time most people heard me or when I was out, I was at 18, 19, 20. So you're hearing like a, a young, rough person, man. Like I was not, and I'm not saying I was an angry, an angry kid, but I'm, I'm just around surrounded by a lot of, um, a lot of, harsh realities so the person that was there was very different to the person i am now so and and then there's a even through all of that i'm showing you the different touch points there's there's certain things that have happened to me through my life that you can go back from the first album to the last album and really pick points and go oh this was that this was that this is when he becomes this this is when he realizes that and to me that's what it's about and it's almost to me it's deeper than what uh, the average supporter is going to be looking for for me it's when I write, man, I, I really think about in, I don't know, 100 years time, 200 years time, I'm no longer here. Great gang, grandkids, whatever. If they want to go back in history and see, and see like, what was my ancestor really on? They can go back and listen to all this stuff. They can hear all these interviews. They can see all this stuff and just be like, oh, cool. That's what that was about. And that's really when it comes down to it on, on, on certain levels. That's why I do it. And that, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, I always like that thought of a legacy that you leave behind and a story mm. that you leave behind in the music that you create as opposed to what we usually do and what humans have done through generations of time is just tell stories. But for you to actually have a musical journey to your life is a really profound way of of looking at it. And I think to a certain extent, we as fans are not good for artists because we want what we've been used to. And what we want is the first thing that I heard from Genesis Elijah, the first thing that made me his fan. And then all yep. of a sudden, when you as a person evolve, because you're, I think you're in your 40s, I think I was reading. Um, yeah. You're in your 40s now. You're not the same person at 18. And if you were the same person, that would be horrendous for you and your life and for the music that you would make because ultimately we would be like, 20 years later, he's still making the same shit. Exactly. But we don't have that like thought when we start saying things like, we miss the old you. Yeah, man. And like, I get it as well, yeah, because there's certain artists, artists that I loved when they were young but I was, I'm, I'm a kind of person, I, I love the change. So um, uh, Prodigy was one for me. So Prodi Prodigy, like obviously the Mob Deep stuff, like I love, like that was probably some of the most, I guess, um, the, the music that really, I don't know, the music that kind of shaped what I was making. I think um, Shook Ones Part 2 was one of the first, like other rappers verses I ever memorized, like front to back. So that would, and, and it meant, it, it was a lot. It was more than just, oh, this guy's rhyming. It's like, nah, this guy's like, this is, this, I can parallel this to my life. Like he's on smoke. Like, and that's, again, he's from New York. I'm from South London, but the parallels are there. We're almost living like the same, the same kind of lives. So when he dropped, um, I can't remember the album it was, man. It's the one when he came out of prison. I think it was, um, it was a free EP that he did with Complex Magazine. And it was really just like, kind of like the growth of what he's been. Obviously you can even check um, um, H and I C was again, was kind of like 
some of that growth. But this one to me was like, oh, this is like an adult now. It's like an adult version. And to me, it's it's like a lot of the stuff when we when we talk about the younger stuff, they want the aggressive stuff. Yeah, they want it. Oh, the rah rah talking, boom boom boom. But I feel like the older version is way more dangerous. Like it's it's way more intense. It's it's way more it's serious now. Like a lot of things that we said when we were younger, we're just rapping words. Whereas now we're in positions where we have so much to lose. So when I'm, I had an album, actually I'm wearing a hoodie. Um, none of you can fuck with me. When the album, like if you listen to the album, it's really, it really is like, it's the old me, but in a, in the new way. And I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you or what I'm showing you is, yeah, like the old stuff was, was, was talking, whatever. But now it's like, it's totally different. The, the level of focus is so different. The, le- the level of how, how serious I am about what I am and who I am is so different. So the, the old me would scare the young me because the young me was like, was all hype and, and thought it was about it. But to, to be honest, the young me had nothing to lose. And some people think, oh, if you have nothing to lose, you, you're, you're, the, you're the most dangerous. Nah, it's when you've got something to lose. That's when you fight at a different level. So even again, like the movements are different. Like I'm, now I'm such a calm person because I what I realized as an adult is there, there can never be any, there can never be any hostility Unless it's to, unless it really is life and death, and if it's not life and death, I'm cool, I'm chilling. But if it is life and death, it's totally, it's like it's it's so different. It's it's so different, and I feel like that's the bit I, I try to get across in in that project because to to me, for the majority of the time, those are kind of things I don't ever want to touch on or speak on. I just I feel like it's again, I feel like it's a bit cringy. Um, but I feel like when you do touch on it there's a time and a place and a almost like a backdrop the album is, is set with its samples its loops its old new york city style and to me it's like that's the place where you you can really pop that talk and get it off but the rest of the time man we're just out here we're chilling we're you know what i mean we're out we're we're trying to spread love and and be and be cool but there's a there's a time and a place for everything but like i'm the point i'm trying to make is the old me yeah that's 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 cute but trust me when you get older you're way more dangerous I wonder what the old you would have. It's funny, we talk about the old you and the current you and you're both the old versions of yourselves. So like the, <laughs> that, I just, I've just i just been picking up on that. We talk about old with age, but then old is in past tense. Um, mm. But, you know, it, it's interesting that you describe your, your old, your younger self as like it was cute. And I'm sure if someone... Even in your past, if you were hearing someone describe you as cute, you'd be like, that's not the vibe I'm going for. That's not the energy I'm going for. It's interesting that you see that in yourself that of you're course, like- Of course, because I see it. I work with young people now, innit? So I, I, I see that energy all the time. So what it is, is when you're, um, when you're not, uh, it, there's some insecurity involved in it, yeah. But when you're insecure, you kind of, you- um. Your, your insecurities betray you. So you see a lot of people say, yo, I'm an alpha male. The moment you say you're an alpha male, I know you're not an alpha male because alpha male would never say that, right? So that whole thing of, yeah, I'm a tough guy, I'm this, I'm that, it's like, right. So really what it where it comes down to, it comes, there's a bit of fear with that because you're trying to tell people to stay away from you so that they don't start anything because again, there's a bit of, there's a bit of fear in it. Once you get, it, there's a different energy. There's certain people I've, I've met along the way they don't they don't move in that way they're just again it is a bit cliche but they say gangsters move in silence and these people are just chill 
they're just cool. You would never know. You would never know. They're just the, the nicest people. They come across nice because the, the, the one thing about them they, they, they know is if I'm pushed or I'm put in the wrong position, it's going to be bad for everybody. So I'd rather never be in that position. So I'm going to be as nice as I possibly can. I'm going to be cool and cordial and polite. That's how we're going to move. And to, so to me, when I, again, when I was younger, I recognize, I recognize that energy. I know, I know what I was. And even with people that, that know stories of my past and will be like, nah, nah, you, you're real. You did this, you did that. All right, cool. But again, it wasn't, I, I know what it was behind it. I know the reason why those things were done. A lot of stuff is done out of fear. Like you, you, you've done it because you're backed into a corner. So you have to do certain things and you know, and, and a lot of things are done because you know the reactions from other people. You know what they're going to say. Oh, nah, he's real, man. He did this. Blah, 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 blah. So to me, again, that can never be real because it, it was done for, the reason it was done for was for, for other people to see. It wasn't something that you, you know what I mean? Did, did just for yourself. And, it, and, it, and it's funny because that almost circles back to like, to, to art. To me, there's, there's a level of art that we do that has to be for ourselves, a level of creativity that has to be for ourselves. What do you create for yourself? What is it that you would create if no one could see it? I've got a song on, this, on the, the next project I'm writing and it says rap like no one's listening. And it's like, because that's the whole thing, dance like no one's listening. But what would you do if really, if no one's about? Like, what is it? What, what do you want to say? What's the energy like? Really, what, what is it? And um, I feel like there's a freedom that comes with that and there's a strength that comes with that. And um, But again, it, it takes some lived experience to get there. How was your life when you were young? My life was cool, man. Like my life was really cool. Like I grew up, I I, I did grow up in a in a rough area. Um, I grew up in Brixton, South London, um, in the in the late eighties and nineties, which is a rough place. But again, I was shielded from it. I had good parents. My dad was a preacher. My mum worked in the library. There were certain things that we saw, um, but was never exposed to it in in a, in that in that way. So it was it was never anything that I really I feel like really affected me. I was always on the outside of it. We would walk out of our house and we'd see all the drug dealers and the with their pit bulls and Rottweilers, the, the BMWs and you know what I mean? And but it was never like, oh, these are the it was just, these are the people that hang outside. It's cool. Like it was there was never any issues. We'd look out our windows, we'd see police chases and stuff, but it would never be like, oh my God, it's a police chase. It's like this is just part of our our life. I remember walking, there was a riot one time walking from my auntie's house back to ours through the estate. There's a riot going off, fires everywhere. I was super young, man. But like, again, it was like, this is just part of part of life. This is what we, what we go through. Um, my parents were very influential in how I, in how I was um, personality-wise, taught me always to be, be strong. You know what I mean? I was the eldest out of six kids. Wow. Um, we came up, again, not like, Came up poor, but I didn't realize I didn't, I didn't realize we were poor until I was a lot older. Um, there was eight of us in a two bedroom two bedroom apartment. I, like when I say it, it sounds bad, but when we lived it, it wasn't bad. It was cool. We were all right. We never we did we never really wanted for anything. There were things that we didn't have, but we didn't know we didn't have them. So it was what it was. Um, and I think I I was I lived a very sheltered life until probably high school. So I moved from Brixton to Luton when I was 11. And then I w at that age, I'm kind of away from my parents a little bit more. So now I'm getting to see how other people live. And now I'm getting to see the contrast between what I have and what they have. Um, and I'm around other people that are kind of 
come up from similar backgrounds and then you start to put things together. Like I said, with the mob deep stuff, you're like, wait a minute, the stuff that they're talking about is real similar to the stuff that we're going through as well. Um, and then, you, and, and so then the process then was me trying to find myself in this world. So in the world where you feel powerless, where do you find your power? Where can you get your power? The easiest, the easiest way to get power um, where, you know what I mean? If you're from the road is, is, is do what everyone else is doing. Like, how do you become, how do you become the monster under the bed? So how do you become the gang? How do you, like, where do you find people that are like you? And you know what I mean? Um, the, the, the goal becomes getting respect and hanging out. Who's the, who's the baddest? Hanging up with the bad kids. And you know what I mean, kids are doing armed robberies and you're around that kind of stuff. So yeah, just kept kind of, that's, that's how I came up and, and kind of contrast with what I was doing on the road with my parents still, like my, like I said, my parents are in church and good people, but your parents can only, they can only give you morals, which I feel like they did give me good morals. But when you go through your teenage stage, you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to push boundaries. And to me, trying to push those boundaries and find those people was what kind of took me away from that, away from that path. Luckily I had music. So music was the thing that always kept me grounded. So I was never going to go too crazy out in the streets because my plan was to do music and to be good at music. And I knew I was good at music. Um, and that was the goal. That was going to be how I found my way out. My parents didn't, even though they, they, they showed me love. Um, they showed me about family. I've got a massive family, a massive extended family, but they didn't really show me like, how, how do you make it financially in this world? Because the paths that they took to me, they weren't, it wasn't enough. Ironically, they found themselves in a place where they did all right because just of how the market went and, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So they, they did all, they did fine. But at the time I was still just like, nah, I need, I need more. So my, my dream was I'm going to become a big, a big rapper. And um, that's how I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And that's kind of just how it went, man. Like I left home quite early. Um, met up with other guys who were on the same path as me musically and just kept going, man. Just never, just never stopped. Literally never stopped, man. Um, it's funny because the, I put out a track recently um, called, um, what's the track called? I think it's called Straight Spitting or something with uh, me and me and AC. And it just hit 400,000 streams on Spotify. And that's my highest, that's my most streamed song I've ever done. And it's funny because me and AC started making music together when we were like 18. And he was kind of like my introduction to the path I went musically. So, and we've been doing this this whole time. And it's, that's all we've been doing. We've just been making music and, and following, our, uh, um, following our path. When I listen to you tell the, the evolution of, of you growing up and the evolution of you realizing what life was like versus the reality of what life was like it's it's admirable to see that your parents almost shielded you from the reality because like i'm trying to put myself in that position of having that many children of having a small place of of coming up in a potentially dangerous neighborhood but then for you to turn around and say you never felt that that you never felt that was any type of way is, is really, really kind of amazing to say to see that they 
accomplish that. Obviously, then the realities of you growing up and then going, hey, this is not right. And you look back and you're like, it's weird. I didn't feel that way, but I should have felt that way back then. I yeah. like, like that's a that's a cool concept of you look back with fondness, but using your own lens now as a grown man or as as a as someone who's growing up, and you're starting to go, that was kind of not okay, but it was still gives me good memories. We 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 were raised around danger, man. Like it was like so many times I look back and I'm just like, yeah, we definitely shouldn't have been in that position. Um, but sometimes I, f- I forget as well that my parents were young. So like my, when my dad was in his early thirties, he has six kids. So wow. yeah. So you, so then you kind of go, right. So you were, you had six kids. Um, you had a small place, but you were trying to, you were figuring things out. You know what I mean? You were, you were getting into the property game and you were studying as well. So my dad was doing his master's degrees. I don't know how many of those he's got, like writing books. And so my dad's an academic. So he's doing all of that. Plus um, he's a pastor of a church. Like he's doing a lot and has a lot of, of pressure. And as you get older, you kind of, even now I still don't get how he managed to do it. Um, and again, my mum was a massive part of that, but at the same time, they were both working. Um, like again, my mum, same age as my dad. So like, I mean, you got six kids and you're both trying to make this work and you're doing it in a, in a place that's really not conducive to raising, raising kids, man. Um, and you're, and you're doing it with very little resources, but one of the resources that they had was really just kind of knowledge and and discipline and just kind of really instilling in us a a good sense of of morals a good moral compass and this is right this is wrong if you want to do well this is the path you should take go get it um and and try not to you know i mean try not to, to 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 steer too far off it and even when i look at like my my brothers and sisters all of us are very very different we've all taken very different paths but for the most part, we've, we're, we're very successful in our own rights. Um, and yeah, it, and, and not only just successful in our own rights, I feel like success is, there's many different ways to measure success. Financially, yeah, cool, we're good. But I feel like even like on the mental health side of things, man, we're all very balanced, man. We haven't had any, you know what I mean? Any any sort of um, uh pitfalls in, in that sense and I feel like that's probably the greatest part a lot of a lot of a lot of us um we come out of childhood with childhood trauma and I think we all to some extent have it but I feel like our, our trauma levels aren't as as bad as what a lot of other people went through around that time especially again with the resources we had in the area that we lived in and what we had to um come through so they, they definitely gave us that resilience well, that's amazing. I'm sure they look at you and your siblings and say that they're very proud. That I'm sure, even in a certain way, they don't even know how they survived that life um, because now they see you all as adults and they see you as grown people with your own careers and your own families and your own identities, and and they just must be almost a sense of relief in a way. I know, I know, my my mum has a lot of relief when it's like, oh, I raised three three men who are not 
insane and do not add to the darkness in the world. And so that's like a, a sense of, I don't know how I did it. My mom had, I mean, my family and my dad, three kids under five and they were in their like twenties. And I'm just like, you had nowhere near the success that I would want to have to be in that position. You literally just kind of figured it out and just got shit together and on the journey. And I think that's kind of what's underrated. The, the idea of you figure it out as you go, that you cannot have it all planned out. That's literally like, figure it out is, is I might get that tattooed on me because that's the phrase I use so much because it's so important. Um, it's like, that is your job. Figure it out, man. Like, they, I feel like in this day and age, there's a lot of, um, we're in this, in this space where we understand that things aren't fair and we want things to be fixed. That's, that's totally, I, f- I feel like that's natural. The fact of the matter is life isn't fair. And there's a lot of things that aren't going to be fixed for you. So you have to figure it out. Like it's not going to be perfect. Your job is to figure it out. You're not, I say this all the time to people. It's like, your job is to make it home. If you're not home yet, you haven't figured it out. Figure out how to get home. Oh, they got a car. Okay. You ain't got a car. You got to walk, figure it out. Or oh, oh, you need to figure out your way to get there or their car's faster than mine. Like these are, these are the things that we call privilege. And it's like, yeah, people are going to have other privileges than what you have. That's fine, man. And it's, it's it's also fine for you to speak about it and say, yo, this isn't this isn't fair and speak up about it. That's cool. What it's not cool to do is to not make it home. You still have to get to where you're trying to go to. It's not, it's not good enough to stand in the middle of the road and complain. You still got you still gotta make it, man. So figure it out. Well, that's what I hate about some people is they have a problem, but they complain, but they don't come up with solutions. It's like, oh, you want me to solve it for you. You want them to, you need to be the first one. If you identify a problem, you need to be the first one to offer a solution. It doesn't have to be the best one, but you need to be the one who's like, this is what I'm thinking. This is my idea. And then all of a sudden you get the ball rolling and you will have other input. But if you're just looking at it and going, I have to get home. I can't get home. Like this sucks. It's raining. The world is out against me. Everyone's going to be like, yeah, but look at all those other people who managed to get home with less than what you have. And so then it's all of a sudden like you're creating your own reality by simply deciding that it's unfair and deciding that there's nothing you can do about it. And then obviously you're going to sit in the same spot for 30 years. And that's why people stop talking to people like that because it's like, man, you're draining my energy and you're draining my inspiration because I just see you do nothing all the time. I tweeted the other day, I was like, some people don't want solutions, they just want attention. And it's like, even with that, if if that is the case, then be honest, be honest with yourself. You ain't gonna be honest with us, but be honest with yourself and say, you don't want solutions, you just want attention. Um, and the, the other point um, I was that you you said something as well that I thought was genius. Um, it's gone out of my head. But yeah, like that's, I, I feel like that's the, that's the thing. It's like a lot of people just want that. They just want that attention. Rather than figuring out this is the, this is this is a solution to to move forward, man. And do you know? I tell you what, that's part of the reason why I've always found it tough to like work for other people. Like I love doing this because I I'm the boss. I get to decide. 
I set my own timelines. I set my own projects. I know that I have to get it done. Otherwise, it will never get done. I know that I have to improve X, Y, Z. I know that I have to get in touch with people like yourself to continue the show, to continue to run. But then, as we were saying before, no one knows what the, like, I've been working corporate and what I've realized throughout my whole career is that no one knows what the fuck is going on. No one <laughs> knows what is happening. No one knows. No one has a, everyone has a plan, but everyone's still fucking just bullshitting their way through it. Everyone's figuring it out as they go. Like I used to think that, you know, the CEO, they know it all. They've got this nah. like plan. They don't know what the fuck is going on. The environment changes. They're just leaning on experience of time now of like, I've done this in the past. I've made X, Y, Z decisions. I've got the education of mistakes, all these different jobs. And now hopefully I make the right choices, but everyone's just like lost and they're all just walking the path. So, so to me, yeah, like one of the things, so when I first started um, kind of working or doing um, corporate consultancy and that, that kind of stuff, one of the things, so you, you, you go into these buildings and you're just like, oh man, everyone's going to know so much more than me. And for a little while, they kind of do because you just don't, you don't know the script yet. But what happens when you start figuring out, you start, you start realizing you're sitting at meetings, you're just like, oh, this person has some ideas and the rest of everyone else is just repeating going back and forth. And so to, to me, it was about figuring out, well, really what's the, what outcome are we looking for? And every time it's really just peeling about the onion and figuring out, no, really, what are we here to do? And the more you can dig into that, the more you can figure out, no, 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 no. What's the, the mechanism of what we're trying to do? What point are we trying to make? What outcome are we trying to get? And once you really know that for yourself, it, it becomes so much easier and you realize there's so much bullshit around it. And you're just like, it, it becomes super clear who doesn't know what they're doing, who's just there because they're getting a check or who, who really does. And like we, we, we hear this expression about um, uh, imposter syndrome. And I'm like, I'm never going to get that because I always know what I'm here to do. And I always know what I'm good at. And I'm never putting myself in positions that I that I don't know. I, I really know my core capabilities. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And as long as I keep putting myself in those positions, I'm going to be fine. So what happens is these, these situations you're putting, they don't intimidate you anymore. Because before I would, I would go in and I'd be like, I'm the, like, I'm the outsider. I'm the new kid. I'm this, that, and the third. And then I'd, I'd switch it and be like, no, 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 no. They, they called you in here because they want to hear what you have to say. And they cannot, there's, there's, a, there's a few things that I know a lot about. Music is one of them. So if we're talking music and we're talking marketing, we're talking strategy, we're talking branding, that's me. I'm good with that because I've, I've been doing it myself forever. Like I, I, sold, I sold mixtapes on the streets in times where labels couldn't sell CDs. Like having, having them ask, ask us, how are you sending so many CDs? How are you doing this? Because we were really just out there just doing it. So I've, I've got a proven track record of what I do. So now walking into these these places, yeah, man, they're, they're big buildings. They've got, you know what I mean? They've got a lot of floors. But I walk in like I own the place because a lot of the people that are in them couldn't do what I did outside of those walls. And like, that's what it comes down to, man. You know what you do. Yeah. And I think that you have to back yourself. And 100%. there is a difference, and I'm sure you do the same thing with yourself. There is a difference between 
knowing what you're capable of, but then also putting yourself in a position of like, all right, let's test myself again. Let's see if I can rise that extra 10, 20, 30%. And so that's where I think people will get, will mishear what you said, which is like, know your expertise, but keep building on it as opposed to know your expertise and then, all right, I'm done and I never test myself again because yeah, yeah. The, last, the last thing you want to happen is your expertise to all of a sudden become outdated. And that's also what happens in corporate is you get these yeah. dinosaurs and crusty old dudes who just walk in and they're like, this strategy worked in the, in the 60s and it's like, we're 60 years later, man. Like, I get it, but the world is yeah. different and you haven't updated your thinking at all and you need to apply the principles in a new way and start thinking about it differently. And so that is the partner that continues to give you confidence because you're able to say, well, I was successful in this decade, in this decade, in this decade, and in that decade, and now I'm confident in this decade too. 100%, man. Like some of the people I work with, so... um in one of my roles, I work um, for Marshall and um, the head of the, the label, a guy called um, Steve Tennant, um, he's, he's someone who's been in the music industry for a long time, like, I don't know, something like 40, 50 years or something, 40 years, something like that. And um, he's, he's a genius because he understands that the times do change, that the technology changes, but how we interact and the things we want from music doesn't really change. And it, I feel like listening to people that have been there and have done have done it again, like you say, for decades, they, what happens is they pick up on certain things. They become really good at picking up on, on the changes and what needs to change to make things work. And for me, that's the level I'm trying to get to. And I mean, I've, I've only been in it for maybe two decades, really. Really maybe one decade as an artist who understands the industry. But my, my thing is really figuring out like, well, everything's going to change. I was there for the change. I, like I said, I sold CDs and I saw it switch to MP3s and then switch to streaming. I was there when MySpace hit. Then I see the switch to Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So I've been around long enough to, to, to know when to jump to transition. And I've seen them, I've seen it go back where I've, where I've sold, I've made more money from selling vinyl last year than I did from anything else. So again, like it, it's about seeing where the changes are happening but also understanding human behavior and understanding what people really want from art. Isn't that funny though? You said you've only been doing it for 20 years. The word only specifically, but there are people who will be like, fuck me. 20 years is fucking forever. And so it's an interesting perspective check because when you're like, I've only done it for 20 years and I still got 20, 30, 40 years to go in my career. And there are people who are like, my God, I can't imagine doing it for 20 years versus that like only 20 years. A hundred percent. And I've done it in, I've done it in a way that I've probably done it in the hardest way possible. I've done it independently for 20 years. So I've done it from the outside. Um, I've, I've been in a situation where I didn't know what was happening inside the building. I didn't realize why artists were doing so well with, with music and how they were getting certain things because I just wasn't privy to that information. And so there was a lot, of, a lot of times I would say, I would say I wasted easily 10 years, easily 10 years trying to do it 
my way, the only way I knew, which was unfortunately the, the wrong way. And I would say it's only really been the last five years that I've been in a position to really be able to see the whole spectrum and go, oh, okay, this is why that works. This is why this works. This is how this needs to be done. And I would also say I haven't, I've never actually used that stuff on my own music altogether. I've never had that. I've never been in a position where I've had a project that's been funded correctly and been marketed correctly. And I feel like once I do have that, it's a whole different scale. I might not even use it on myself. I might, I might use it on an artist that I, that I work with in the future. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's taken me that long to really get that perspective from not just an artist or not just a creative, but also an executive. Like, why, why does it work with certain artists and why doesn't it work with other artists? Who are the ones they bet on? Like, and it is like the matrix, man. It's ones and zeros. Once you step back and you see it, you're like, oh, I know how that works. I know why that works. I know what that is. I don't, I don't look at an artist going viral on TikTok and be like, oh my God, they just did it off the back. Like, that's crazy. No, I know exactly why they did it, how they did it. And I know what's going to happen next. So again, you just, you, you become, the, the skill becomes being able to see what's happening and why it's happening. And again, it does take the magic out of the magic, but to me, that's all part of the game as well. Like, I love that part too. I don't just, I don't just love the creative part. I love the, I love the industry part as well. I love it all. To me, it's it's all part of it's all part of the art. So yeah. Is there a a lesson that was like changed at all for you in terms of your perspective? Is it because obviously you've got hundreds of thousands of lessons and and the way it all works and it would be we would have to do a series of podcast after podcast to tap into the knowledge that you have. But in terms of just something that was profound or something that really stands out to you? Is there anything that kind of, I can see a look on your face that's like some something came to your head? Straight away. So the thing that changed everything was when I realized that it was pay to play. So to me, that was the bit that I was just like, at first I was like, damn, man. Cause it, because what it, what it means is, if you don't have any money, you're really, you're almost priced out of the game. You can still compete. I competed. I still competed. Like I did really well with, with no money. And, and to, some might say I'm still doing really well now with no money compared to what these guys have. Yeah. But I think once you realize that, oh, they're getting that because they're doing this. And then when you go, oh, it's not just now, it's always been that way. It was never like, oh, it just started. No, 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 no. From go back to whoever you want to think of, whatever acts you want to, you want to speak about, it was always money that made the difference to how the art came out. And that's, and again, it's not just music. We recognize it in film because we know when something's big budget and small budget, what we don't always recognize it in is in painted art in with sculpture, but it's there. So you, you had, you had patrons, you had, you, you had people that we have today. We have the, it's called patron sign as my, my, my Patreon that, that comes from something. This is when your stuff's getting funded. Um, we have over here, we have the arts council, we have PRS foundation. We have all these um, different bodies that fund different, different projects whether it be music whether it be arts that kind of stuff um but yeah I was I was trying to do all that stuff without any knowledge that that existed and when once I realized oh it changed everything because then you even judge what you do differently because then you're like oh wait a second if I don't have if I ain't got five grand to put into my single 
then it's that's cool. It's not going to do what their singles do. You might get lucky. Like, again, me and AC single just hit um, 400,000 streams with nothing put in. I, I, I don't think we put any money into it at all. We paid for it to get mixed and mastered or whatever, but I don't think we did any anything special. It just did what it did organically. At the same time, if we if we had five grand to put in, it would have done a lot bit a lot better. Would have gone a lot bigger. Maybe maybe not. But you have a much better chance if you have funding to put into your project, and that is literally it's night and day. Once you figure that out and figure out where the money can come from for your project, they almost it changes. It changes what you do and it changes how you do it. And it also makes you a lot more intentional about the project you're doing, um, which can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. Because sometimes when you're thinking too much money, it changes the the creative process. Um, So I always try to do things in two minds. When I'm creating it, I'm not thinking about money at all. When we start trying to sell it, market, it's all about money. That is definitely probably the last thing a lot of people were expecting to hear that it's paid to play hundred it's it's like it's sad man it's sad but it's like life is a letdown isn't it like there's a lot of stuff in life that's just not real and there are certain again there are certain people who will make it without so much backing but for the most part it just it just doesn't happen man um and, and again, some, maybe that's not even a, a bad thing as far as like, if you don't want to go that path, you don't have to go that path. Like if you if you just want to do it on your own merit and your do it for, for you, for yourself, then that's cool. Exactly. That's what I did for, for, again, a decade. It was fun. It was cool. I just didn't get what I should have got from, from the, the, the work I, I, I put in. Um, I found other ways of making money through, like again, selling CDs but and selling merch. So that's how I, I kind of, I, w- I was able to leverage what I had into making some money from it. Um, but I was, I was definitely not playing on a level playing field and I didn't get why everybody else was hitting these numbers, um, had access to, to, to management, had access to um, just agents booking agents and all that kind of stuff like i, I didn't get it there's a, there's a there's also another another level to that as well when you talk about um uh so what do they call it um artist um oh man i'm forgetting the, the the term they call it so basically labels labels work labels do a lot of things right so labels deal with your they deal with your pr they're going to deal with your radio plugin they're going to deal with just all the other stuff that that's what a label is supposed to do. So there's a thing called artist services, right? Which you can buy into, which is pretty much if you haven't got a deal, you can get people from who have worked with labels or from certain labels to almost do the stuff that labels do, but without being signed. So mm. what you would see, you would see a lot of artists who that you would go, oh, this artist is unsigned. So you, someone like um, Central C, for instance, so you see Central C and be like, oh, he's unsigned, my independent, doing it himself, da 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 But he has artists, he's putting money into artist services that are doing all the stuff that a label would do. So you're getting your music plugged, you're getting on the playlists, you're getting all the stuff that a label would do for you, but you're, you're just paying for it. So it, it's, it's to me, I, I almost think it's better than being signed because it means 
you're in charge of how much you put in. Um, you can budget properly for what you want. And it also means that guys like Central C or guys who have made a lot of money outside of music, who have money to spend, can compete with the late, the major labels easily, probably better than someone who signed. If, if you're a, a newly signed artist for your single, again, they're probably going to give you maybe five, 10 grand. If you if you got money in the street and you got 50 grand to spend, then you're, again, in a much better position because no label in their right mind is going to give you 50 grand off the bat for a single or even, even an album. So, I mean, it's like, to me, those things make a massive difference. So that's why you see a lot of artists that just pop up from nowhere. They were known in like, they were known on, known on the road. All of a sudden, they're everywhere because they got money and they can push money in the right places. So well, also yeah. label deals are loans. Most label deals are not actual money. They give you a loan that you have to eventually pay back. And there is obviously that part of what makes those deals deals is because there is that financial component that, that people forget about is like, hey, they're not just doing this out of the kindness of their own heart. And and what you're talking about is like, this is a business. The weird thing about us as as humans in society is we have this perception of art as like outside of capitalism, outside of of money, outside. It has this like holiness of it's it's almost like a church in the sense that it cannot be touched by the fabric of society. It cannot be altered by the rules that we play in when it comes to everyday work and my everyday life. And I love the idea of this artist who is unfettered and can make their own decisions and doesn't have to be a machine in the cog and they just fight against the man and they fight against the machine. And all of a sudden when you see behind it and it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning is like, oh no, they're not magicians. They're just good at also playing the game. They've just the the also game. learned the rules. Yep. That's it, man. The game is the game. And it's like, the more you look into, the more you just look into art itself, you realize that's how it's, that's how it's always been. And then you kind of have even a, a clearer notion of what you're supposed to do with your art or, or when your art will really be appreciated. So to me, with the, the, the streams are cool, right? The streams are cool. Yeah, numbers, wicked, perfect. But that's not where my art is appreciated. My art is appreciated years later when the hype's died down and you find that song that I made that you really relate to, that really speaks to you in that moment and you can really, you can really just sit down and go, oh, wait, this is what he was saying. I feel this, like this is, this is the, the thing that got me through or this is the, the thing that changes. Um, let, let, let's take it away from it being something sad. But what's the what's the song you play that changes a party? The mood, the mood changes, everyone goes, everyone dances. That's how you really appreciate art. And that comes in time. Like it 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 comes, it has to it has to mature, man. You gotta find it. There's certain certain songs that I, I 10, 20 years down the line I listen to. Or even older than that, these songs I listen to that are like some classical songs that are 100 years old. And you listen to them, you're just like, the person who made this was probably never um, praised in his time when it came out. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? They weren't on it like that. But now 
I'm listening to it a hundred years later and I'm feeling it for what, what it was, what it was made for. Like, that's what it's about. And even with like the, the kind of like the last um, proper album I made was a prophet in his hometown. And the, the full sentence of that is a prophet in his hometown is, is never revered. They're not going to, the, the music I'm making, people aren't going to get it. Like in, in the time that I'm alive, man, it's, it's going to be years later that someone's going to, and it, it doesn't have to be a whole bunch of people. It only has to be one. Someone just to pick it up and go, nah, I get that. I see what he was saying. Like he, he painted a whole narrative in this time and place this person went through and I, I, I relate to it and, I, and I'm receiving the art as it was supposed to be received. And that's why I make it. So all the other stuff, yeah, that's cool. It's like, it's not going to, again, when I'm long gone from here, no one's going to pick up my music and go, I wonder what the budget was for that. Like, no one's going to care. <laughs> like, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be so out of it. Oh, what was the rollout to that? What did they do? What was the content? What content did they create for that? No one's going to care about any of that. They're only going to care about the art. So as an, as an artist, you kind of have to decide what are you doing this for, man? Like, what do you really want from it? And, and I am a hundred percent cool with people who are in it just for the money. Yo, it's a quick come up. I'm going to do this track. I'm going to do these songs. I'm going to make a couple of hundred thousand, whatever I'm going to make. I'm going to buy some houses and da, 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 da. That is cool, man. I like the way, the way the world is now, get your money, get what you need to get, whatever you need to get. But I feel like at the same time, there's an, there's a whole different element a whole different level this can go to and that's the level i'm trying to trying to tap into yeah i used to be against the artists who wanted to make money and then i'm like well i work and i do everything i do because i want to make money and and ultimately money is a is a vehicle of time and a lifestyle that ultimately i would like to live and so mm-hmm. i agree with you now i'm like Hey, if you do this for the cash, essentially we're all content creators. That's like, if I look at the reality of the world, we all just create content and I have no problem with a YouTuber turning around and saying, I make this content because I want to get paid. And I'm Mm. like, well, yeah, no shit. That's why we do all the things. And it's weird that that we as artists, again, it goes back to the point of our, our dream illusion of what we want an artist to be. But I wonder if the same questions were asked of Beethoven. Because I think Beethoven's music was controversial in his time as well of like, what is this? And obviously we still speak about him right now. And there's the the painter, I've been trying to remember his name, but he, he cut off his own ear. Um, Van Gogh. Van, Van Gogh. Gogh. Yeah. Van Gogh, so, Van Gogh. So Listen, bro. All he of was, these, all of no these one artists, liked him yeah? at his, in None his of era. Them. Picasso was a, I mean, he weren't allowed in certain places. He was like a Hitler lover. All of these artists here were like, in their time, no one really liked them. Like the stuff that they did was controversial and it was just like, people like, nah, that ain't it, man. A lot of them died not being famous. Like no one even really respected their work until after they died. Then certain pieces were sold to certain um, certain uh, museums and art houses and certain collectors bought certain things and they were like, oh, okay, this is this is amazing. Like, and again, it's, it's perspective and, and that's all, all art is. It's just... Um, you need perspective to really, to really get it. Um, for, for a lot of it, to really get it. And it's so funny because like we look at certain art and we're like, yo, this was, this is amazing. But it's just, it's just the memes of their day. That's all it was. It was like, they were just, they would, it, it was 
um, again, it was content and it was narrative speaking on what was happening in where they were from. They're expressing themselves in a certain way. The same way these kids are expressing themselves through drill music is the same stuff that was happening with punk. Like it's all, it's all linked. Even when we talk about like, I was reading about, um, this is a very a British thing, but a lot of our, uh, our Victorian architecture is a certain way. It's really political because it was like, they were saying the Georgian stuff was too much like the Greeks and Italians. We want something that's really British. And we want to go back to the medieval Gothic style, which is why our houses of parliament look the way they do. And a lot of our important churches and buildings look the way they do. We look at it now and we're like, oh, this is an amazing piece of art. But at the end of the day, these were just like, it was political. It was like really right-wing politics going, now. we don't want no foreign-looking buildings. We want this. So again, it's like the perspective changes everything. And uh, I, I think that kind of like the more we understand that, the more we understand art, and then then it kind of comes back to exactly what we're doing. We understand what we're doing and, and how to create and and where does the honesty come from in the creation? Where does the magic, the magic does exist, but where does the magic exist in what we create? And it's, I feel like that's the place I'm in now. It's really just trying to discover that like, nah, there is magic in it, but where is the magic? And and how do I, how do I put that down into whatever I'm, whatever I'm creating? It, it, yes, it's music, but it's, it's also the imagery behind that it's also how it's presented that that's part of it as well it's not just yo strong's out go check it no 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 how do you present it like there's there's other levels to that and and it's i was having a conversation at a show the other day with um an artist i work with and i was saying okay watch what happens yeah everyone's gonna go up and do their song and what they're gonna do they're gonna come up and go yo this song's called so and so um hope you like it and they're gonna do it and i'm gonna be like that's boring, right? Like, w- there's a better way to 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 tell me about the song you're about to show me. There's a better way to stage it. There's a better way to let me know what's happening. And again, that's all part of art. That's it. It, it all rolls into one. Unfortunately, it's everything's disjointed at the moment. But to me, even like right, this TikTok generation, yeah. We look at it and we're like, oh, it's every label you go into, how's your TikTok? What's your TikTok numbers doing? You got to do this for TikTok. You got to do this. Da, 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 da. There's a lot of stuff that a lot of artists are, are pissed off about. Like, we don't want to do TikTok. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. But there's certain elements that TikTok's creating that to me is really good because what it's doing is forcing you to be more creative all the time. It's forcing you to go, okay, that worked for a little bit, but the algorithm changed now. Now we've got to do something else. And I love that. And, and, and even when it's not, even when it's not organic, even when it's, hi guys, I'm about to show my mum this track for the first time and it's not the first time and it's all staged. Still, you figured out a way to make me listen a little bit more than I was going to. And it then, then to me, I'm like, so what's the next level? Where do you, where do you take that after that? How do you keep doing that? And, and yeah, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it's, it's, I think the only veil that that I'm like the the contrast is like with TikTok itself I'm like it's just another company deciding what algorithm to push. That's the weird thing. It's like all these companies just deciding what random shit that they're going to push and we all know it's different in every country. That's the yeah. weird thing when you go overseas and like I went to India recently, Indian TikTok. Actually, I don't think they have TikTok in India, but I went to Thailand and Thailand 
Thailand TikTok is very different to Australian TikTok. And Australian TikTok right. is very different. It's probably not as different to like UK and, and US, but it's like, oh, I see there's things in the background that we don't really understand. Mm. And, and that's the weird thing about the social media is just we don't really know what's going on. Like we know there's an algorithm. We don't know why. And I think <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the real question is like why mm-hmm. that algorithm in particular? And like now, you know, TikTok's been saying that they they're pushing videos that are over a minute because they're wanting to compete with YouTube. And mm. so when you look at it, it's like they're not actually rewarding creators. They're no. just rewarding creators for giving them competition with their biggest competitor, which is YouTube. And that's why they have sh- shorts. And that's why IG has reels. And it's just this big, complex competition that we just happen to be caught up in. Yeah. Like, okay, 100% facts. But so to my thing is this. It's like, yeah, you don't get to, you don't get to choose where the train's going but you have to jump on the train and figure out what stops to get off and how to get to where you're trying to go to. So you've got to figure out how to use it in the way that's going to help you create what you're trying to create. Um, that I agree with. That and, I agree like, with. It's like you, you, they're using it for themselves. You need to yeah. use it for yourself too. Yeah. And I, like, I get it does change. Things change. Like obviously when I made like, even with music, um, I made a like a choice when I did the album Vision. So if you listen to Vision, like Vision, it always starts with the hook. The the hook starts pretty much straight away. It's it was made because I was trying to get on a playlist. And that's why so many of the tracks were put on playlists, because it was made, it was playlist music. It was you once you hear it, you know if you like it straight away or you don't like it. And it was again short songs. Nothing, you know what I mean? There was no long intros. Whereas when I did um um a prophet in his hometown, like I changed that because I was just like, I don't, I don't really care. I just want to do the music I want to make. But again, it's like it's your choice. You get to decide whether you're gonna play the algorithm game or not. But you you do have to acknowledge that the algorithm rhythm is actually changing art because there's there's no way I would have gone, oh, I'm not going to do intros for songs anymore because I like intros. But because the algorithm don't like them, so all right, cool, I'm going I'm to I'm chop those off. And even, even with like, even with now writing music, certain songs, like I understand, especially in the TikTok age, what is the phrase that's going to catch people? Like, is your music captionable? That, that becomes important. And, and again, to me, it's not a bad thing if it's done authentically. If I started just making random songs about, I don't know, about cats, because I knew that it did really well on TikTok, then, okay, now you've, you've kind of betrayed your art and you're, not, you're to me, then it becomes all phony and fake. But if you're figuring out how do you be your most authentic self by still working in these, through these avenues? Like the canvas is the canvas, right? You can't paint outside of it. So figure out how to do, to, to have your picture in that canvas. And that's what it is. Um, I think it was um, Michelangelo when he um, did the statue of uh, David in the, they, they had the, um, the marble. And they said that it had to be that size and it had to be every position, the position he was in, it had to be that because the marble that they used was already there and already had a bit taken out of it. 
So he had he was he had no he had to work within that block, and he made something incredible because he was forced to to do that. And it's the same thing. TikTok is giving you these parameters. All right, cool. Let's figure it out, man. Let's figure out how we can do express ourselves within these boundaries and still make it look like the boundaries were never there. Yeah, that's made me think. It, it it's definitely a challenge, and and people can rise to the challenge. And you know what's interesting about you know the conversation we're having, and this is a thought I literally had yesterday, is that art seems to come from a place of fighting against oppression or expressing a view that is not well accepted or it comes from a perspective that is not yet in the forefront of people's mind and we see that through time and time and time and time again of like throughout the history i think that's why you know as you said van gogh wasn't celebrated till after he passed a lot of these people are not celebrated till after they're passed because they're expressing something that goes against the status quo and that is ultimately what music is and if i look at you know the elements of hip-hop in terms of hip-hop itself as a genre but jazz but soul but everything that these musical kind of movements created they all came from a dark history they all came from like you know challenging past i think you know the british talk about their sense of humor but that sense of humor comes with this element of like you know of of a weird dangerous dark upsetting history as well and so all of this plays into our expression and i wonder if we were all happy would we create the same art and i don't think we would i don't think we would have the majestic pieces that stand the test of time without sadness without pain without disappointment and and it it just makes me think about what it is to be human that we cannot create to the level we know we can without those quote-unquote negative or upsetting emotions i can't remember who it was but someone said like would you if we never had um if we never had slavery and we never had um after that you know the segregation and all the injustice up until that um we would never have hip-hop you would have no big you know two-pack no mob d no j like would you would you sacrifice all of that to not have like all the bad stuff and I was genuinely just like, I still, I still have never answered that question. I'm like, damn, like, wait, not, wait, what? No shook ones. Like, what would we have? I guess we'd have something else, but it's, it's, it's still in my mind. It's just like, out of such pain comes beauty. Um, someone hit me up the other day and they were like, oh, um, I've got a song called Breakthrough. And they were like, um, no, sorry, Breakdown. And they were like, yeah, that's my favorite song, man. Like, that song just got me through that. And I was like, that song is my darkest moments put onto music that I would never want to relive. But it, to to this to this person and maybe even to me, it's it's one of my most important songs. But without that stuff, the song doesn't happen. So what would you choose? What do you want to get rid of? Do you want to get rid of the pain, or do you want to get rid of the art that it made? And it's a, it's it's tough, man. It's tough because it's like if I get rid of my pain, I don't make the song, then maybe I can't help anybody else in pain. So, 
then it becomes again an even deeper question. So yeah, you're you're hundred percent right, man. Like it, uh, a lot of art does come from does come from pain. Yeah, and it's an, it's the impossible question to ask because our, all our music that resonates, all our conversations, all our anything that we do, are like the the funny moment that is blended with sadness and darkness seems to be the funniest moment of like there is some truth and there is some pain and there is some reality behind even a joke or this comment mm. and that's what makes it so funny as opposed to living in an alternate world where none of that exists and like we you spoke about you know mob deep and shook ones and and the power of people like nas and the power of people like NWA and the power of people of Lauren Hill and and what it meant to so many people who who were going through a similar struggle, going through what they never knew was even a struggle, and then it was finally yeah. expressed. And and obviously we don't want people to go through pain, but it seems as though for us in this weird evolution of humans, pain is almost a necessity for us to find our truest self, find that authentic self, find a version of ourselves that we can really dive into and create almost work that is unreplicable. Yeah, I, I think like it is, it's in our nature to find um, drama and and even what we, we're attracted to. So like you were saying about like, you know, our stories, I was saying the other day, um, like, whenever, whenever we tell stories, it's always over the bad things. Like, even the funny stories, it's, it's always the bad stuff. Oh, my car broke down and this, da, da, da. Like, it's never just, the good stuff is never a good story. So even when I'm going through stuff sometimes, I'm just like, this is going to be a funny uh, story. And that's just, it's just part of who we are as humans, man. Like, that's the stuff that, that draws our attention. We, we, our entertainment is all drama. Our entertainment is all the, the it's all contrast. It's the highs and the lows of our lives. That's the bit that we we turn into art. It's never like the middle stuff. And even if it is the middle stuff, it's just used again to highlight the fact that that's not the bit we like. So it's yeah, man. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting, but it's even like on social media, negative comments get way more interaction than positive comments. Always. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely something like every TV show. You cannot have a reality show unless there is drama. And we everybody knows it's reality, but it's edited to make it look like it's different just so that yeah. you get these, you know, storylines of drama and then you get all the people on the internet going, oh, my God, did you see how they reacted to that shit? Like, oh, my God, she's such a bitch. Whatever, whatever yeah. the shit that they're talking about. So um, it's kind of, I mean, at least it gives you license to express yourself and really find yourself. And, and something that you've done so well is is exactly that. So, I mean, it's... It's commendable, and and I always say that I'm very fortunate to speak to people like yourself because to be able to tap into your wealth of experience, your your life, and, and tap into your musical journey over the 20 years that you've been doing it plus is is pretty pretty amazing, and I'm sure your fans appreciate that every single day. Nah, thank you, man. Appreciate that. Well, I only have one more question for you, man, 
and is probably cool, cool. the toughest question that I'm going to ask on the show. Okay. It's the only one that I plan on the show. So if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen mm. to at least once to get an appreciation of, does not have to be the best album of, of all time. It's just something you think everyone should appreciate. Cannot yeah. be your own work. Can be any genre of music. Wait, it can't be my own? No. We're going to plug okay, your own okay. work. Cool, 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 cool. So otherwise most rappers, most artists I know, and including myself, if you were like, hey, Aaron, give me the podcast that I should listen to, I'd be like, you know which <laughs> yeah, one. Mine, obviously. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not your own and any genre of music. Any genre. Um, so what what is this to 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 say? Repeat the question. Is it to for for everyone to, to, to listen to at least once to appreciate? Okay. I think um a really like one of my favorite albums is Mike Skinner, A Grand Don't Come for Free, or the Streets. It's Mike Skinner under the streets, the streets, a grand don't come for free. And the reason I choose this album is because it does what I always want from an album. I always want an album to tell a story and it tells a story in a really kind of a real basic way, but also quite, very. it's very authentic. It's like, it's such a British album. It's such a like, even the sounds, the sounds that they that he uses, the genres that he uses, like it's, it's predominantly a garage album, but it's garage mixed in with kind of other elements to it as well. And it's, it's unconventional, but also quintessentially British with a really good story going all the way through it. Even, even has an alternative ending. Like to me, it's just such a, but it's to be able to do that. Plus have bangers. Like it's not like it's just a, it's just stories and not good songs. Now nah, the songs are bangers on it and different highs and lows of what you're feeling. And I could have picked another album because I could have picked like Kendrick Lamar um, to Pimp a Butterfly, which I feel like has, it's kind, it's kind of similar in a way, but I feel like it's, that's a bit, little bit more um, convoluted um, and a bit more self-indulgent. Whereas this is just like, it's just straight up, man. It's just real, real basic. Even like the concept of a grand don't come for free. The amount of money is like, it's not like it's in a million pound heist. It's just like a normal amount of money. <laughs> like it's like, everything about it is amazing. But I feel that's the album I'd definitely pick. That's, awesome. that's my favorite album. And that's all, that's one of the albums I listen to. If I'm making a project, I'll listen to that just to make sure that what I'm making hasn't strayed too far from the vibe that I'm trying to bring to, to my music. There's a few albums that I'll play and that's one of them. It's like, does your album give that feeling? If someone listens to your album, are they going to know you better? Are they going to know where you're from? If your friends listen to it, are they going to pick out certain bits that only they're going to know? All that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I love that. I love that as an album. I love that as a reason. I'm sure a lot of people will listen to that album now, but definitely someone they should all be listening to is the one and only Genesis, Elijah, as we said, you know, you're working on some some pretty big things. Um, you had that track, Audio Hustlers, come out. You're working on an album. I definitely noticed you you saying that. Um, so hopefully, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to drop in 2023 uh, at some hopefully, point. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we all know what happens. But literally, there is a 
so much in terms of the bodies of work that you've you've created and and you can literally just go and see it all in in the streaming platforms obviously um you can follow him on ig you're on tiktok you're on youtube you got music videos so for anyone that wants to check him out please do and man is there anything else you wanted to plug anything you wanted to shout out no not really man i I just i just want to um encourage your listeners to take time with with the with what people are creating like i feel like we 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 we're starting to move into a place where we're just we're checking playlists we're not really letting albums sit but i feel like we need to go back to really appreciating what's been put out and really kind of looking for ourselves a lot of times we're just seeing what's thrown at us but i feel like we need to start digging again and, and finding like the obscure artists and just giving them the chance giving them that one listen to the project all the way through if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But just giving that time, because I feel like we're we're missing a lot because it's coming really fast and I, we're, we're missing a lot of gems. And I just feel like as part of music lovers, and this is for myself as well, like this, this, it's what, this is what I'm telling myself all the time. Like, slow down, like find, find some, some, like your passion for the art, your passion for the music again. And by the, the way to do that is to really just dig in, man. Just really slow it down and listen to albums all the way through, and and really try, take, really try to take the music in. I feel like we're yeah, we we're we're a bit too, we're we're we we're in a throwaway generation, man. We got to slow things down a little bit. I agree with you. I love that message, and you know, for a for a podcast that goes for like an hour 20, an hour 25. I definitely hope that they listen because uh, we definitely need that. But, but man, as I said, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, we spoke about a lot of things and you shared an, a lot of knowledge. So I really appreciate it. Bro, appreciate you, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on. Like, again, it's really appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.